When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. everyone chase and james are here for another episode of at the hive live part of the sb nation network of podcasts we have a very cool show coming for you guys today if we do say so ourselves first half will be a moderately short discussion on the two hornets preseason games that have been played since the last time we spoke with you all and then we'll be ending the show with an interview with charlotte hornets rookie big man kai jones james and i had a blast speaking with him huge shout out to hornets pr for setting us up with this interview Be sure to stay tuned for that in a few minutes. But first, James, would you mind telling the people how you're doing? And do you want to get the the ball rolling for us on this preseason game discussion? Yeah, absolutely. Doing well. Excited to have some more more games to talk about. Season now is what? Like uh, just over a week away. So really exciting times for for the Charlotte Hornets. And um, look, two preseason games that were... were pretty different. Let's let's be, be nice. The Memphis Grizzlies game, which was pretty... Worrying and concerning, kind of just like the the energy and the rebounding, you know, really showing through. And you could tell like Borrego was not happy after the game, and the players weren't happy either. Like I think, I think I saw a really good um, tweet from Rod Boone where he asked Ish Smith like, "What needs to change from the Memphis Grizzlies games?" And Ish just went like, "Shoo, where do we start?" Like, <laughs> you know, there was there was a lot of issues in that game. But then onto the Miami game, which was just played last night where I know the team effectively lost, but in reality, the Hornets rotation players beat the Miami rotation players. And you can, you can chalk that down as kind of a, a win in brackets, really. Um, so I'd say one, one bad game and one really good game. Um, I think we've, we've learned a few more things that we maybe didn't get to see in that OKC game. Um, but yeah, it's definitely been an interesting preseason so far. Obviously, it's been difficult with missing a couple of the players, Oubre, Rozier, Plumlee, Hayward, hoping to get those back for the start of the regular season. Uh, but the fact that the team pulled out a win against Miami, missing all those guys, pretty impressive. Yeah, agreed. I think it's been, I mean, especially considering that Hayward and Plumlee missed, high, or missed a game, Rozier and Oubre missed the last game as well. Like, this has been a very successful, positive preseason, I think, even with those four veterans out. Like, I pre- nobody has really had any, you know, worrying signs of any of any, you know, lapses in ju- or for the next season. We're not, you know, sit, sitting out here panicking about the rotation or anything like that. Really, everything has been going pretty well. I mean, the, obviously, you don't want to have four players missing a game due to injury before the actual season starts. But the health and safety protocol issue with Hayward and Plumley should be resumed sooner rather than or resolved sooner rather than later, uh, which is what Borrego said in a recent media availability. And then I don't expect Rozier and Ubre to be out anything past, you know, the last preseason game on Wednesday, which is actually pretty cool that they're playing on ESPN against the Mavericks for that last preseason game. I didn't really know that they like did that for preseason games, put them on ESPN, but I mean, I th- that's kind of nice. I mean, we'll get to see LaMelo versus Luca for one, two, maybe three quarters. And then, you know, we'll, we'll watch the, uh, the young guys and the guys competing for G league roster spots in the final quarter for those two teams. But Still think it's it's pretty cool. It's another national TV game for the Hornets at the at the beginning of the year. So, yeah, 
I did not know that, but oh really? I am excited. I'm excited to hear that that's the case. Um, but yeah, hopefully that might mean that some of the rotation plays might get a few more minutes because you know sometimes that last preseason game you get a lot of bench players like some of the starters get sat. But I think with with the disruption the Hornets have had in preseason with players missing, only having four games as opposed to used to having like seven or eight, and it being a national TV, it might be might be t- treated a little bit more competitive. So. Um, but to, to kind of dive into some of the detail from these two games, I've got a, a little game for you, Chase, which is real versus not real, where I'm going to give you a statement and you need to tell me if it's real or if you if it's not real, if it's just a little bit of a small sample size and you think things are going to even out. So my, my first one for you is, is Miles Bridges the second best passer on the Charlotte Hornets? Ooh. Hmm. Off, off a start- night where he just had, I think, six assists, was it, against yeah, the Heat? Yeah, six yeah, assists. he did have six Made some really nice passes. Yeah, yes, I was going to say a couple of them were really, really good passes, too. Wow, we're starting off hot here. I mean, mm. I'm going to say not real now, but if you ask me this question next October or just at the end of the season in, like, April or May, I could definitely see that being the case. I think right now it's probably Gordon Hayward, just giving him, like, the benefit of the doubt that he hasn't, like lost any of that ability because he definitely was last year the team's second best playmaker or i mean probably maybe maybe Devonte could be listed ahead of him in terms of last season but now players on the roster without seeing miles give that give us a, a regular season sample size i think it has to be gordon but it would not surprise me to see miles take that step for the end of the season because i think that's going to be a big part in him taking a step in general like he's already he was already a pretty good scorer, pretty good shooter. It just it was him becoming a consistent scorer and shooter, but becoming a guy that can, you know, like initiate an offense and reliably make plays when him creating a shot breaks down, like that would just take him to a whole nother level as a player. So, I mean, he seems to be like on his way to doing that so far. I mean, you can only take so much from a preseason game, we know, but I mean, making passes is making passes regardless of whether or not like it's an exhibition game or a regular season game, you know? And the key thing is he's not really turning the ball over here. No. Right. He's got nine assists in his three preseason games. You know, obviously the last game was, was the big one where he had the six before that's just two and one, but he's only had three turnovers all preseason. So that's a one to three assist to turnover ratio, which for a, you know, for a, a forward is, is pretty impressive. And I think that's, we've always seen the flashes of passing ability with Miles, but from every like good pass that he'd make, you'd then see a turnover and it kind of like netted itself off and you didn't feel like it was necessarily adding. Whereas I really do wonder if we're beginning to see a bit of a shift here. I know this was a big thing that Borrego was really impressed about down the run of the stretch of last season was his ability just to, to be kind of creating for others. And I, I, I agree, like it's probably between Bridges and Haywood. I think probably Miles is a more creative passer. Like he, he throws mm-hmm. more passes where you kind of, you're like, oh, how do you see that? Whereas Hayward's kind of distribution normally comes from like drawing to help defenders and then kicking out. And it's kind of normally quite a basic pa- kick out pass, but someone makes a shot. So I'm not saying one is more valuable than the other, uh, but I, I would say they're kind of different forms of passes. Miles is a little bit more flashier. It's always with the right hand. Like, you know, and he, he really fizzes them in there. Um, so, yeah, it was, I, I thought it was an interesting one. Like you say, I think by the end of the season, he could be the second best passer in the Charlotte Hornets. Next up, has Cody Martin taken a jump as a shooter? He's four of seven from three in, in preseason so far. Um, is there anything that you've seen with the shot? Is there anything that you've noticed other than just he's made a few more than in the past. Obviously for the career, like Cody Martin has not been a very good shooter so far to this stage in his career. I think he was 27% in the, for a regular season over the recent careers. So what are your thoughts about Cody Martin shooting? I do think it's, it's real. I don't know if he's going to, I definitely will in the sense that it's improved for sure. Like I think that he looks a lot more comfortable just kind of catching the ball and firing on the three point line. Like I think it was something that he, maybe avoided at times last year because i mean he well, he is a good yeah. playmaker off the bounce and he's a very good cutter he's just a smart basketball player he knows where to be i think that was kind of how he derived a lot of his offense in his first two seasons but 
I think that there's a lot a much bigger chance that he's like a reliable just catch and shoot three point shooter this year. And he doesn't need to be somebody like like he doesn't need to take a leap like what Miles took in that that category last year where he can create his own shot. Cody doesn't need to hit like step back threes off the off the dribble or anything. Just knock down the ones that are wide open. And he because even if he's not wide open, like as a fan, as a coach, as like an organization, I don't think you can really get that mad at somebody who's as good at defense as Cody Martin is for missing like contested threes or something like that's just a part of your role. That's not part of your role to do every single thing on the court or else he'd be like, he'd be on a start in the starting lineup and stuff like that. So I I definitely think it's real. I, I, he seems to have gotten a lot better at it. I mean, a four for seven, isn't a large sample size at all, but I mean, it's across multiple games. I I think he's hit one in the first, in the first game against the thunder and the most recent game against the heat. And I believe he was for one against, uh, Memphis, but I mean, yeah, the, the jumper looks a lot better. And I mean, he has lots of, I think he'll have a lot more opportunities to, to score this year on the second unit when, with Malik and Devante both being gone and James Booknight kind of needing to establish himself, I guess, before, you know, Borrego throws him out there as like their spark plug scorer on the second unit. So, I mean, somebody, somebody's going to have an opportunity to step up, I think at the end, at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I, I went back to try to look at his, some of his like shoot mechanics from his rookie season or last season to now. Being honest, I couldn't see anything that was different. But what I, what was different, and you could tell that in the Miami game, was how confident and how quickly he got the shot off. And one thing, and I know Cody Martin has reflected on this before, is he gets down on himself when he makes mistakes and he starts to doubt himself. And you could see that in his play last year where he'd catch it when he's like semi-open. And he kind of thinks about shooting and then delays. And then by that time, the defense has recovered and, you know, the advantage you created is gone. Last night, he was like just taking them, like without any hesitation at all. And for me, like that, that's the big thing. And whether the shot has actually improved, I don't know. Whether you can keep that mentality of just getting shots up when he's open, that's what he needs to do for him to, to make it, to him to increase his role. And let's just hope this, the shot keeps going in. It's not going to go in at that rate, four for seven. Um, but what, was it just because he was shooting it quickly because he felt hot last night? Or was that kind of a, a change in mindset that he's going to have for this season? And that'll be key to watch. So I'm watching back okay. the uh, the first three. Sorry, to, to just a quick addition here at the end. I'm watching back the first three that he made in the third quarter against the Heat last night. And it Lamelo is has the ball at the top of the key, and Cody is begging for it, just standing on the wing, just like with his hands out, ready to shoot because there's nobody within five feet of him. He catches it, turns, and lets it fly like instantly. I, like rookie season, Cody Martin probably doesn't do that. Sophomore season probably doesn't either. Third year, Cody Martin, if he has that type of confidence, like it, in all in a way, like shooting gravity is just as important as shooting percentages. And if he's a threat to take that shot, that's going to help because yep. he's a good passer and he can attack like a closeout. He can attack a scrambling defense. So I think that's going to help him a lot. And I, I, I think that I would say that that's a, that's a real improvement so far. Yeah. Okay. Next up last year, Malik Monk averaged 11.7 points per game. Is it real? Is, going. is it real that James Booknight is going to average more points than Malik Monk for this regular season? Oh, like what then? Okay, so James Booknight and Malik Monk this season or James Booknight versus Malik's Sorry, 11 compared to Malik season. Monk last season. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. So I think I, okay. Buck is up at like 15 points or so per game in the preseason. I'm, I'm not saying do you think that's real, but do you think it's real that he'll be the, the kind of above Malik's 11.7 points per game from last year? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think he will. I don't think he's a consistent enough shooter yet to necessarily have that be his average. I think there will be nights where he has the, you know, the 20 point performances like he's had a couple of times in the preseason because he's a, an excellent finisher around the basket. He's super athletic and that translates to him off ball as well, which I, I think I, I've mentioned this before. I think him, him playing off ball is going to be something to like really watch this year because he's going to have, uh, if he plays against Lamelo or with Lamelo, which is the idea going into the future, he's obviously going to be an off ball player for, a significant portion of his time on the floor. So I think that's going to be something that I'm going to enjoy watching this year, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's a consistent enough shooter to have that be like an average. He'll have those explosive nights, but I think there will be a lot like, not a lot per se, but I think there will be, you know, uh, somewhat frequent nights where he has like an off night finishing or 
you know, is getting not getting foul calls or something like that at the rim. And he's just because he's not very super strong yet. He's, you know, he's a sock came out of UConn as a sophomore. He's not as physically mature as most of the NBA centers that are going to be out there that are like 30 years old. So I think he'll have he'll have his fair share of tough nights, much much like Malik did when, when he was a rookie, too. They share like some similarities as players. I think that they'll share some some of the same struggles as rookies. And I think uh, Malik last season, I think, was I think he was a, a criminally underrated last year, not only by like Hornets fans, but just the NBA in general, because he spent so much time out of the rotation at the beginning of the year. And I wouldn't be surprised And because if the question was book Knight versus monk for this year, I would take monk in a landslide because now that Taylor Horton Tucker is out, I think he's going to play quite a bit for the Lakers. And I think he's going to be really, really good this year. I wouldn't be surprised at all. If he's like one of the better, you know, bench scorers in the NBA. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Um, I know I've been airing some <laughs> of my, my book night takes, which have been somewhat unpopular amongst the monk fans. You got to rile uh, the people up every now and again. It's okay. Yeah, absolutely. You, you got to poke the bear. Exactly. Um, but no, I do agree with you. I think it's unlikely. Like you say, rookies are just inconsistent generally, exactly, yeah. unless you're unless you're a one of one, which Lamelo was. Um, literally, it says it on his shoe, one of one. <laughs> um, mm. So I, I think I do agree. It'd be a struggle for that. I, I think the off ball thing is a really great point. I think one key area that Book Nine needs to work on, which we've seen now through summer league and preseason, is the turnovers. Five mm-hmm. turnovers against Miami. Turnovers in summer league. He averaged just under three turnovers per game in college last year. I think that's got to be an area, especially for this Hornets team, who can turn the ball over a lot. Um, The more he's off the ball, the less pressure he's got, the less turnover prone he's going to be. So I think that's the the key thing for Buck, really, for something him to focus on. Okay, next one. Um, Is this real? Is PJ Washington the same player as he was last season? Hmm. We'll see. I like. I thought PJ was fine last year, so I. I, I think I thought he was too. Yeah, I, think I didn't he, think I he was think, bad. I okay, thought he was yeah. Fine. So I th- I think he's. Yeah, I think he's still. Well, I, I like a, in in the battle for what I mean. If the if Miles wasn't, you know, experiencing this significant developmental leap and it, re- reaching the ceiling that lots of people thought he had coming out of Michigan State, really, right now he would be starting. Like he he's a very he's a very much a starting caliber power forward especially going by the standards of how young he is for the nba i think he's fine like he the he's shooting he didn't shoot the ball particularly well uh but i think that as long as he is shooting i think that's fine he shot 37 and 38 percent his first two years like i don't think that he's suddenly a bad shooter like that's not really how that works no, I'm, usually I'm, <laughs> like, i wasn't i'm not saying that he's regressed what no, I'm i know, saying I know. here yeah. is real is, is he the same player have you seen anything to to think that we're going to see anything different from PJ Washington, or are we going to get that same kind of consistently inconsistent, which is how I would describe PJ, where he looked like, you know, the Sacramento game, he had 42 points. He was incredible. Then the very next game, he'd go zero four eight. Like it was just, just you look at season averages, you're like, ah, uh, but you watch individual games and it is a roller coaster from game to game. So yeah, I, I think, are you expecting more of the same, I guess is another way to phrase it. I think it kind of depends on whether like a backup center emerges in the rotation. Mm-hmm. Cause I think, I mean, obviously he's a, a four, like I, it, as his natural position, I think, I don't think there's anybody that would disagree with that. I think the, the whether or not you think he can play small ball five is another thing. He's pretty much, uh, uh, he's six, seven. He's pretty, he's gotta be a four long-term. I think if you're developing him, but I mean, he has to play center right now. Like there's nobody, on the Hornets that can back up Mason Plumley at this exact moment on October 12th at 12:49 PM Eastern time, like in a few weeks, if somebody emerges, like absolutely. And I think that would help not like the entire team, obviously, because they haven't had a real like center rotation in a while, but PJ, especially I think will benefit whether he's a starter or coming off the bench, just strictly getting to play the four and not having to have, all of that defensive responsibility. Cause that's, that's tiring playing, especially if you're like not playing a zone and you're chasing people or you're chasing big guys around and kind of responsible for keeping guards out of the paint too. Like that, that's, that's tiring. It takes a toll on you. It's hard to shoot when you're tired, especially later on in the game. So I think that, that, that would be a big thing that would help PJ along this year. I mean, and if it doesn't happen, I could still see him getting 
or, you know, continuing along his uh, path for improvement. Cause I, I'm, I'm a big fan of him going forward. Okay. And my last, is this real? Is it real that the Charlotte Hornets are going to be inconsistent this season? Probably. I think that, yes, I think that uh, to start the year, I think that that would be, it'd be surprising if they weren't because there are so many new guys and th- like so and much of their, yeah. And a lot of them are young. And I mean, in the, uh, the, the veterans on the team, Plumlee, Ubre, Ish Smith are all new. It's just Hayward and Rozier are really the two and Miles Bridges. I guess if you look at him as a veteran now are the three like rotation mainstays from last year that can kind of be looked at as like leaders on the team or guys that have been with, with the organization long enough to call them veterans. I wouldn't be, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all at the beginning of the year if they kind of, you know, come out one night and they it, it's really clicking. And then, you know, on a back-to-back the next night, it doesn't necessarily click as like, like it did the night before. And, and they they lose just by just as much as they had beaten the team the night before, you know, maybe against a team that was worse than a team that they had just beaten or something, which kind of happened at uh, times last year. So, yeah, and yeah. We, we've already seen it this year with the Memphis game followed by Miami game. I mean, literally, the, the weakness in the Memphis game was the physicality, the energy, the rebounding. The strength in the Miami game was, was our yeah. physicality, <laughs> defense, and rebounding. You know, we flipped it from being a weakness to a strength within one game. Um, it was it was strange. Um, but look, at least they show the ability to do that. And if you remember the start of last season, if we rewind all the way back, the first two games, can you remember who we played? OKC. And Cleveland, mm-hmm. and we lost them both, right? And every, the Hornets nation was melting down. Oh, this team's rubbish, blah, blah, blah. Then we went and beat like Brooklyn yeah, the next like, yeah, night. Brooklyn, I think it was Dallas was another team that they beat yeah. pretty early on too. Exactly. You know, so I, I think that will probably be the case again while this team is so young. Because as we talked about with Bucknight earlier, young players are just inconsistent. It's, it's hard. You hear coaches all the time, you hear JB talk about it's hard for young guys to be consistent every single night. Like that's, that's the biggest thing for them to be there day in, day out. Um, and that's something that this team is going to, going to have to learn. Um, okay. That's it for our little preseason recap of, of real versus not real. Um, I think that's going to wrap us up for, for that section. All right. We'll be back after this. We're going to insert a mini discussion on a miles bridges extension here because the deadline for an extension or for restricted free agents for this upcoming or this upcoming off season is coming up on October 18th. We're recording this October 12th. So the Hornets have six days to negotiate a potential extension with miles bridges. We're going to each give our thoughts on that really quick. And then we'll lead into the Kai Jones interview at the end. Hang with us for a little bit. We'll see you guys after the break. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And At The Hive Live is back for our Miles Bridges extension discussion. This will be a relatively quick one before we lead you into the interview with Kai here. James put out a poll on Twitter a couple days ago asking the Hornets fans on the internet whether they thought Miles Bridges would be signing an extension and not hitting restricted free agency, essentially agreeing to a deal before the October 18th deadline, or whether or not he would hit restricted free agency this offseason without an extension hitting essentially hitting the you know not open market but what could amount to an open market with how expensive his extension could be if he plays well this year so james i I, I, tell the the listeners the results of that poll just to to give them some background i guess yeah so it received about 75 votes 60 percent thought he would resign 40 percent thought he'd go to free agency um honestly i'm 50 50 on it i uh, I, I'm finding it hard to figure out what I think will likely happen. Um, I think it can play out either way. And even if he does become a restricted free agent, I don't think that by any means means that he's going. Like you saw John Collins with the mm-hmm. Hawks last year, probably a, a slightly different situation because John Collins was trying to get the max. And I don't think Miles will be demanding that. Um, but he essentially did resign with the Hawks, even though he's a restricted free agent. Um, they essentially just came to terms in the summer of the deal rather than, ahead of the extension deadline. So 
I wonder if there'll be some some similarities to that. But what what I've got here is a little little task for you, and I'm, I'm making you work hard today. Between the uh, the real versus not real in the last section and this, um, I'm making you work hard. I'm going to list through some other extensions of players who I think may have of similar value or similar positions, and I want you to tell me more if you th- if you would pay miles more or less than them because i think looking at those other players contracts around the league that's what the agents that's what miles agent you know clutch sports that's what they're going to be doing they're going to be saying you want to play you want to pay miles x per year well we've got these guys over here who are already earning that and this person is a better player than them so we're going to do a little bit of that so i'm going to throw some names at you some terms and i want you to tell me if you think he should be paid more or less all right all right first up jonathan isaac Last year was a rookie extension was four years, 80 million at 20 per year, more or less. I would probably, I would feel comfortable with a little bit more. Probably. I think you say more. Okay. Um, Next up, Derek white, four years, 73 million. It's basically 18 per year. You think he's better than Derek white? Uh, Yeah, I think, I mean, maybe not better at this exact moment, but with contracts in the NBA, so much of it is like projection. I think you could easily project him being better than Derek White at the end of that contract. Okay. John Collins, five years, 125 million, 25 per year, more or less. I would just, I don't know. See, like, because the Hornets won't necessarily run into any like cap restrictions until basically like the Lamello, like Lamello's up for his rookie contract. They have, because they have all the bird rights of the players that they would need to resign. So they would just be paying extra like luxury tax money to keep guys like miles and PJ and whatnot. I don't, yeah, I would probably wouldn't give him that much if I was like a general manager or as much as John Collins. I think the, that five year one twenty or was it five year one twenty five? I think is what John Collins got. Yeah. 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 I don't know if that's, quite because i just i mean not necessarily from the salary perspective but i'm just not quite sure that he i think john collins is probably like a slight step above miles as a player right now i think that's like kind of where i would separate that so it's like yeah you kind of have to i mean i I like if it but if the cornets announced that they extended miles bridges for that amount like i wouldn't be upset like i would i would probably be i'd be all right with that i like i mean i personally don't think i would do that if i was like my job relied on it but you know i'm not i'm not Pay, I'm not sending Miles his paychecks. I'm not working for the Hornets, like relying on. Okay, but you know I, I want I mean? you. No, but I, I want us. You know, I think people who listen to this podcast, they want like to try and get inside insight of what the Hornets are going to do. So I, I want you to treat this as if you were making okay. those decisions, Chase. I mean, yeah, then you I, know? yeah, okay, then I probably wouldn't, just because from that scenario, you'd be like, well, he, I mean, he's. I just don't think he's quite as good. Like John, Cotton, they're both good, obviously. I just think that, you know, certain player, like you just have to separate players somehow. Yeah. Even if it's by like a small and, amount. And interestingly, the Charlotte could offer Miles Bridges a five-year extension, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah, I'm pretty um, sure you can. Is that something that you'd look at or or would you look at kind of the four years? I, I, do, do we do we think there's any particular reason we think it'd be four? I think four seems to be the common, generally, looking around the league. I've got some other examples I run through. Four's most common, but there are the odd five with that John Collins one being an example. Yeah, I mean, I I would I don't see like I feel like to, to me more years is like a good thing usually because like if a player ends up playing well then that's obviously like you you don't lose anything from that and then if they don't play well it, like we've seen in the NBA that like contract numbers are like it's not necessarily the player is what you're trading it's just the number that fits into a trade that makes it legal under the MPA's like salary cap rules. So you can always you like turn go to that route down the road, which isn't like ideal, but it's not as like it's not as detrimental as like not paying a player and having them leave for nothing and then having them be like you know what I mean? Like I'd rather have them, I'd rather get it wrong and bet and make like a wrong bet on an extension than let them go and like have that be the way that I find out that I'm wrong is that Miles mm. goes and plays for the Cleveland Cavaliers and makes like two All Star teams on that contract or something. You like, see. So like I'd rather I'd rather have Nick Batum than on the team like that type of situation than like have, let let Miles go and make All Star teams or something. Really? Yeah. I mean, I I feel pretty strong the other way on this. Like I just think it's Nick easier Batum, to work around. But Nick, is it Nick Batum still on the Hornets? It, ha- it hasn't affected us that much though. You know, I mean, we we got year. all these free agents like that we weren't really supposed to get or that we weren't expected to get. Like 
they traded for Mason Plumley. Like they got Kelly Oubre and Ish, re-signed Terry. Presumably, I mean, they could re-sign Miles here. I don't know. It's just like I feel like it, as a general manager, like it's just easier to to work with numbers than it is like to work with like talent. Like if you are lacking talent, then that's that's a bigger problem than if you're lacking like the nine million dollars you need to create space to sign someone because you waved and stretched Nick Batum. You, you know what I mean? Well, I mean, I disagree, and I think that's because I lived through the the Hornets experience of the Marvin Williams, MKG, Cody Zeller. <laughs> like all Bayumbo lumped on teams. top of each other, yeah. Yeah, where the team were paralyzed and couldn't do anything for essentially four seasons in a row because there was just no financial flexibility. And that's what one thing that I think Mitch has been trying to, to create. He talked about that after this offseason, about not wanting to commit too much money long-term, you know, when talking about the free agent acquisitions, Smith, Ubre, Plumley, all with like non-guarantees, short-term deals. I know the Terry Rozier one doesn't exactly factor into that. Um, but uh, yeah, I that was that was surprised me. I, I think the other thing with, with Miles is the fifth year, like you do potentially worry someone who's such a freak athlete that if he loses some of the athleticism, will he be as effective? Now, by saying that, Miles Bridges is not like Derek Williams. Uh, sorry, Derek. Derek Williams? Oh my god, I've had a mind blank. Who's from, play, from who's Arizona? The old... uh, no, not not him. Um, oh god, he's, he's traded to the Bulls, played for the Blazers, left-handed dunk Derek champion. Jones. Derek Jones, yeah, thank you, okay. thank you. Um, he's not Derek Jones, where like he relies on his athleticism. Miles is way more skilled. He can shoot, he can pass, he can rebound. Like there's a bunch of things Miles can do, but that would probably worry me. So I'd probably stick with that that four years um just some more and I, I, you've kind of ruined my game here because i think you're, <laughs> you're very you're very pro optimist on this but og ananobi four years 72 million that's 18 per year luke canard four years 64 million that's 16 per year uh fultz three years 50 million 16 and a half uh larry marketing just got four years 68 this soft season that's 17 million per year and Jarrett Allen got five years, 100, which is 20 mil per year. So a lot of those guys in that like 18 to 20 range, apart from essentially John Collins, who got more. I kind of feel that's the right kind of range. Like Ananobi, Isaac, like figures, like that feels right to me between that like eight, 18, 20 million. If you got him around the Fultz or marketing money, then I think it's really good business. And Charlotte should be biting the hand off to do that. Um, but I, I imagine they're pressing for for north of 20, you know, looking at John mm-hmm. Collins type money. And I, I wouldn't do that right now. You know, if he has a full season where he plays like he he did for that month stretch, then absolutely give him that contract uh, in the off season. But I don't know if I'd commit to that now because I just I don't know what the benefit is to the organization to make such a, a bet on what someone will do over something that you've already seen. Well, because, and this is why I think that, like, I think that there's like a 99% chance that he doesn't sign an extension. Like I would be incredible. Really? That's, I would that's be, sure. I would be, this is, yeah, this is, uh, this is like, I don't take strong stances very often, but I feel like don't. very confident that he won't sign an extension. Cause like, cause as much as it, it may not benefit the Hornets, it doesn't benefit him like at all to sign one right now either. Cause I don't think his value is going to go down. Like him playing so bad to tank his value is a scenario that like, just it, it would, it would happen re- because of so many like outside factors. Like he would probably have to get hurt for something like that to happen or like something. But it could like, happen. It could, it happen. could happen. But like, yeah. the, I think the, the chances of that happening are slimmer than him either playing as well as he did at the end of last year or just throughout the whole season. And like, stagnating in a way but not really because he's you know only would be in his fourth season or actually like making another leap off of the one that he took last year and then you're paying a you're just matching um like what the highest offer like you're not really negotiating with him at that point anymore you're he, he like his agent is being like i'm gonna go find the highest offer that i can possibly find and we'll come back to you with it and you can either match it or not and that is like that's a bad situation to be in i feel like I like, especially with I feel a guy like you just like explained Miles. how restricted free agency works. <laughs> no, I know I did, but it's like, I would just much rather that ha- I would just rather, I don't like restricted free agency. Cause like then, cause it's like at that point you're just paying, you're paying what you would have paid the prior year, but like a, you have to like 
basically tell a player like we weren't quite sure if you were going to make this leap. We were, we didn't fully believe in you, but now we do after we've seen, you know, so much evidence of it. And like, I get that from an organizational perspective, but players probably like, I, if I, like, if I was a player, I'd be like, yeah, well, you know, that's kind of a, like, I kind of wish that you had just bet on me and gave me the the extension already when I it first came to the table because I wanted to do it. And I did exactly what I told you I was going to do and what you asked me and whatnot. I feel like there's just more to be gained in like signing an extension early and having the player like hit on it than there is to be gained in like waiting and playing like the safe game from the franchise's standpoint and like letting him hit the open market and potential. Like what, like what if he goes out and gets a John Collins deal and restricted free agency, the Hornets have to, they basically have to match that. Like, cause yeah. I mean, that's, that's a massive, another massive hole in your rotation that you would be losing for nothing much like they, like they did with Monk and Graham last year, which was like one of my biggest critiques was that they just lost two really, really good players essentially for nothing, unless they get a lottery pick for Devante. But, and like having that happen again with miles, that would, that would really sting. Like that, that would be, that's a lot of players that you have drafted, not, not Malik, but Devante and miles you have drafted, you've developed, and then they would be leaving, you know, without getting a second contract with the team, which I think would be unfortunate. And, you know, and yeah, I also, and- we, we have to preface, we we've said it before. Miles is a clutch sports client. They typically don't sign extensions like early before rookie, like free agency, like they hit free agency after the rookie contract. I don't think they have ever done that necessarily. So, I mean, there's that as well, but you, I mean, that could always change. You never know. And I think it's pretty clear from seeing now, like miles is probably going to start which yes. is the big difference, right? So he's he'd be signing his contract extension off the back of a season where he played really well, but he only started for part of the season and was kind of an energy bench player, really, focusing more on defense and rebounding and shot block- blocking for like the first 20 games. And now he's probably going to give him a lot more um, openness to kind of, you know, handle the ball and have games like he did against Miami the other night. And I can also understand him thinking, well, I'm definitely going to be worth, have a higher value after this season. So I get it, but um, 99% is, is a lot for me. I, I don't know. I, I'm still, I probably think I lean just because we've not heard any reporting about this whatsoever. No leaks, no talks progressing well, nothing like that. Um, yeah. I, I think I'm probably just lean like 60, 40 that it, it doesn't get done, but um, I, I also worry that the organization have you know, just committed a huge amount of money to Tay Rozier to do that straight away to Miles Bridges now. Is it just best to wait? So um, I, th- I think they could look at it that way. This team got in so many issues with giving extensions to MKG Zeller, but then there's the one that paid off with Kemba Walker. Mm-hmm. So like you say, you can hit and you can have misses. Um, it's, it's a tricky one. I, I, the thing is, I'm not going to be angry either way it plays out. Yeah. Um, the I, I like you say the only thing is if they sign like an extension of like twenty five per year now, I'm, I wouldn't be angry. It's just it's a larger risk than I think most would anticipate the organization being used to taking. Um, but absolutely, Miles, if he plays like he he has done in recent times, could could live up to that value. So we've got by the time this is out, we'll have about four or five days between when the listeners are hearing this and when miles's extension deadline is up. So we'll have to keep our eyes peeled for that. Cause uh, other than the season starting, that's like the one big, big Hornets storyline that could come out if, if, and when he happens to agree to an extension prior to the season, you got anything else you want to, you want to get out James? Or are we going to let the listeners no. hear our very, very exciting Kai Jones interview that we've got coming up here. Let's go on to it. All right, we'll see you guys after the ad break featuring Charlotte Hornets Rookie Center, Kai Jones. Welcome back to At The Hive Live. We are joined by Kai Jones, Hornets Rookie Center. Thank you for joining us, Kai. We really appreciate you have, have it coming in here and taking the time out with us to join us today. If you don't mind, we'll, we'll hop right into the questions. Is that all right with you? Sounds good. All right. So I remember watching um, the Hornets like Instagram story a couple weeks ago, and they were doing those like Q and A's during training camp. And there was one that had you and James book night. And you guys mentioned that you wanted to get bikes and take bike rides around the city. 
The people need an update. Have you guys had time to get bikes? Have you gone for a bike ride? And have you just had any time at all to explore the city of Charlotte yet? Nah, we haven't gone for a bike ride together yet, but I ride my bike around here like at least once or twice a week. Like I'll ride to practice. Uh, I rode to the basketball courts at Tyrone Park the other day. So I ride around here, uh, but we haven't gone together yet. You'll have to be. Uh, I remember Giannis, his rookie year, took his bike to games. You'll have to. You'll have to test that out and see if see if that routine works for you this year. <laughs> he, he seemed to do yeah, all right. Giannis seemed to do right. all right from it, didn't he? <laughs> right. Um, Kai, you said before that your 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 nickname, your preferred nickname, is King Kai. Um, just curious, like where's where's that come from? Who do, who gave you that? Why do you like it? So, like growing up, like I don't have a preferred nickname. You know what I mean? Like, whatever you choose to call me is cool. But, like, growing up, man, I used to rap. Uh, that was my nickname for myself. So, like, that was my rap name. Because I used to love rapping. Like, I wanted to be an artist one day. So, King Kyle was my rap name. And I like Dragon Ball, too. So, that was kind of why I, I picked that name. That's where so, it came from. So, you're another one of these Hornets rappers, along with Mason Plumley. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that video the other day. <laughs> Listen, man, I had no idea. <laughs> I, we were, I was hoping that players got to see that. That's so funny. Man, I, thought, I was like, no way, that's real. I thought that was fake. I didn't think it was actually missing. That caught me much. That caught me so off guard. When he Very called real. himself Plum Dog Millionaire, I had, I like had to put my phone wow. down and think, yeah, you, you had that. We got to establish that as like a nickname for him this year. Yeah, definitely. That has to be his nickname. <laughs> that's crazy. Well, we want to see some uh, some King Kai MB uh, some some crossover here this season. We want to hear that. We may, we may. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, That's I good feel, to hear. Oh, I want to hop on a track. Yeah, we go. We got to get that Kai Jones feature. So we remember you mentioned during your media availability, like right after you got drafted, that you'd be interested in doing a a dunk contest, so either this year mm-hmm. or somewhere down the line. So who do you think yeah. is the best dunker in the league right now? apart from yourself, and then what makes, yeah. like, a good dunk contest dunk as opposed to just going up in a regular game? Yeah. Uh, to me, the best dunker in the NBA right now is probably Zach Levine. I'll say mm-hmm. just because, like, he's a good in-game dunker and he's got, like, tricks. Um, and, like, what makes a good dunk contest dunk is creativity and height. So, like, doing not only doing the trick, but, like, getting off the ground, like showing explosiveness, but also like if you're a bigger guy, like I think you got to show appreciation. Like if a bigger guy can get off the floor yeah. too, because that's more weight. Like the White Howard, like who's pretty impressive in dunk contest, just because of how much he weighed and how much he could get off the ground. And then like how emphatic you dunk it too. So if like you go tween and you just like really punch it, sock it, that's like a part of it too. So it's creativity, fanfare, how high you can jump. Like some dudes have tricks, but they don't really got bounce. Yeah, and some dudes have bounce with no tricks, but I feel like I got both. So, well, we want to see it, man. The fans, the fans yeah. have been saying, like me and Chase speak to fans all the time. The fans are absolutely want to see you in that dunk contest. So, uh, fingers, yeah. cr- fingers crossed, man. Right. <laughs> yeah, you definitely um, got you got people's. Uh, that's going. No, some, go ahead. It's some um, tough competition in there, though, for sure. Like, yeah, I mean, those battles that Levine them. and Gordon had a couple of years ago, like those were ridiculous. Mm-hmm. If one of those guys is in it, like that's a, that's a tough competition already. I wonder how much they practice for that. That's what I'm saying. Like how much time do you have to invest in like working on like dunks to win a dunk contest? That's yeah. true. Like, you like, how, like how long you got to stay. The, yeah, you got to practice going between the legs and the free throw line, bro. Right. Ain't no way he just got the <laughs> first go. Because <laughs> you you gotta throw it down first time, like because if you don't, then like it really affects it, doesn't it? Like if you watch the dunk exactly. contest, if it's second or third time, it just doesn't have the same like wham factor. Yeah, like that's why I said I'll do the dunk contest, but like probably not in my first year. But like when you have time to practice, so like say next off season, I got like time to just work on my dunks. You know what I mean? Like after yeah. workouts and stuff. Right now, you're more focused on just performing in yeah. game you don't have as much time to like freestyle and try stuff awesome we um we saw some like photos and clips of the the team's trip to miami in the off season and i was just wondering like were there any like under the radar funny stories like basketball or non-basketball that you can think of or you can share from like the time down in miami uh 
to me, like, the coolest part about that was just, like, meeting Jordan in person for the first time, like, ever in my life. Like, that was my first time, I think, seeing Michael Jordan, like, in person. So somebody that, you know, look, you looked up to growing up or, like, uh, yeah. saw, the, you know what I mean, as a big yeah. public figure, seeing him in person was really dope. Did you so um, – go on, Chase. Yeah, so how did the uh, – speaking of MJ – I remember you said that you kind of you had to kind of ask to wear to wear twenty three. Did he say anything yeah. about that when when you met him? Like, did you did you bring it up? Nah, he didn't. Nah, he didn't bring it up at all. He he, I got the okay from him like right after draft night, but like he was just like, you know what I mean. He's happy to have a Bahamian player on his team. Uh, he's been to the Bahamas a lot, and he he knows a lot of people down there. So oh, that's cool. Did he? Yeah. You, you didn't have any one on one games with MJ while you're down in Miami. Did he? Did he get involved at all, or did he just watch? <laughs> nah, he just, he just watched. <laughs> I'm sure he was probably instantly played. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be a competitive yeah. pickup game, I would bet. <laughs> <laughs> right. Go ahead, Chase. So, we know that from our years following the team, James and I have both been, you know, doing this Hornets podcast for a while and been writers for a while. We know that like the players, the young players with the Hornets have kind of like a, not like a, not like a designated player development coach, but someone that they work really closely with as they, you know, adjust to the NBA in their rookie season. If you're, if you don't mind it sharing, would you, do you have one of those? And what, like what, if you do, like what areas have you kind of been looking at with, with that coach? Uh, I work on, I work a lot with coach Garnett. Uh, he's like a, he's been my like one-on-one coach we do a lot of the thing we've been focused on a lot is just like touch shots like a lot of floats like those little shots around the basket off uh, the pick and roll off of dump loss and then catching shoots uh, attacking closeouts and um my post game my mid post game turnaround jumpers like we work on handoffs to screening angles so those have been some of the areas I've been trying to improve on going left. Yeah. Cause I remember like in that, the, not the game last night, but against Memphis, you hit that mid range pull up out of that handoff. And I was like, I, I immediately, I was like, man, that is a, that's a very nice move that he just made right there. So, I mean, that, that's already paying yeah. off for you. That's where it's working very well. Yeah. Yep. So I'm um, kind of want to touch on like, we know this Hornets team have got some serious ink like in terms of like tats for the guys, like, and I was wondering, like, have you, have you got any, or like, have you been inspired to with like guys like Miles, PJ, Cody, Kelly, like there's a, there's a lot out there, Mellow, like, is, is that something that you thought about at all? I'm not going to lie. I was thinking about it last night. It's oh. crazy how like, like, uh, it's crazy. I was just thinking about it last night. I was like, should I get tattoos? Uh, Cause you just see so many people and you're like, well, you're an adult. You can really do whatever you want. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. 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 About that last night. You know, so, what did you What did you um, think about you'd get? What would you get, or where would you get it? I was thinking on getting some on my knuckles. James mm. James had a really you know but he had a really good t- tattoo idea, and like he didn't end up getting it. You're gonna I steal don't know it. If he still wants to get it. Yeah, I don't know if he still wants to get it. If he if he still wants to get it, I'm not gonna get it. But he's like, nah, bro, you can get it. It was like a fear none on your knuckles i thought that was a really good Ooh, idea that is a, he could put a book on his knuckles that's it that'd be a good one n-o-n-e that would be so tough that yeah that, yeah i like that but well, i don't know i don't know if, i don't know if the knuckles is a good place to start i feel like <laughs> okay, yeah like yeah somewhere like more discreet is a better place to start but i don't know i was thinking about it last night you gotta have to speak I, to I, your guys you, you you got experts on your team man they you got a lot of experience right. there that's true. So yeah, speaking about like, I'm, get a tattoo, I'll, go to the, I'll try to just go to the best people because I've seen people end up with bad tattoos. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the one thing I don't want to. I don't want a low quality tattoo. No. Um, speaking of that, like you talk about some of the other guys in the team. Is there anyone that you've got like a a particularly strong friendship bond or someone who's like particularly taking you under your wing, like you feel really drawn to? And I, I know you've still only known the guys really for like three six months at this stage, but um. But yeah, like, mm-hmm. is, is there anyone like you kind of find yourself like grabbing down and hanging out a lot together on the road and stuff like that? I mean, um, every this, this is a pretty um, close knit team. Like, mm. we all talk to each other, but like, um, I talk to James a lot. You know, James and I got drafted together. Like, yep. we've been going through this process together. So, uh, and then Scotty Lewis, we worked out together this summer. So, you know, we kind of kick it too. So, that's yeah. been two people I've been with. 
Do you have a close Can relationship with either of um, DeAndre Ayton or Buddy Heald with the, the Bahamian connection? Yeah, I talked to um, Buddy, and I worked out with, with Ayton a couple years ago. Uh, I talked to him on draft night, and I talked to Buddy a couple weeks ago. But, yeah, I talked to both of them. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Awesome. And uh, just last last question before we get you out of here, and, and thanks a lot for your time again, Kai. I really appreciate it. Um, a lot of Hornets kind of rookies in the past few years have ended up spending time in Greensboro with the, with the G League team. Uh, Devontae Graham did, your teammates, Jalen McDaniels, Cody Martin. Like, have the coaches discussed that with you as an, as an option at all um, over the season? Uh, no, nah, they haven't talked to me about that uh, yet or, like, mentioned it to me. Okay. Uh, I think right I think right now it's like they're trying to figure out because they feel like I can impact um, the team right now. So it's just a matter of me like proving that consistently. Hey, that's that's awesome to hear. Like, yeah. you no, know, absolutely. Yeah. Like, because I say, but like, even if even if you, but even if like that was the case, or like it's not a demotion. Any chance you get to like develop and play is better than like if you could go to Greensboro and play like a full game um, and like actually you know get reps. Yeah, if it's better for your development than just sitting on the bench watching. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, like me and Chase watched Jalen and, and Cody play G League minutes like over the last couple of years, and where they were now to where they like are sorry where they were then to where they are now like the development and the confidence it just it's been yeah, yeah it's been crazy so yeah absolutely yeah. I think it'd be a good thing for anyone just to, you know as long as you're getting that game time that'd be great yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I don't think we've got any more questions. Um, thank you so much for your time, man. You are the second Hornet to be on our podcast after Cody Zeller, who I don't think you'll have met because obviously he moved on in the off season, but um, you're, a, right. you're a second Hornet. Thank you so much for coming on. No, thank you for having me, man. All right. Y'all have a good one. All right. Yeah, you cheers, too, Kai. And that was at the Hive Lives exclusive interview with Kai Jones. Shout out to Hornets PR for orchestrating that interview for us and setting us up with the time to talk to Kai. Shout out to Kai for taking the time to talk to us. James and I had a blast. It's always fun to get to talk up and close and personal with someone that's part of the Hornets organization, much less a player that we see on the court every day and root for whenever we watch games. If you guys root for this podcast, please leave a five-star review. And we know that we're starting this fantasy league too. So if you guys leave a five-star review and you want to be in the fantasy league, screenshot your five-star review or just dm either me or james on twitter and we will send you an invite to the fantasy league it's all it takes just one five-star review let us know and you will be in a fantasy league with plenty of other people who support the at the hive live podcast along with me james it'll be a great time if you like fantasy basketball if you like this podcast leave us a five-star review thank you all for listening we really appreciate it have a good day